Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. Throughout our daily lives, we see many examples of things that can illustrate an emotion for us. So maybe we're out walking. We see a couple walking hand in hand in the city park. Maybe there's another couple off in the distance and we see them kissing. Or maybe it is a mother gently holding her newborn. In each of these scenes, we would probably be correct in describing images of love. Spouses holding hands can surely illustrate love. Or maybe the same couple with a, an emotional kiss would demonstrate love. And who can deny that a mother gently caressing her newborn, kissing it on the forehead, is an image of love. And yet it is not to our own ideas with respect to love, but to God's as revealed in his word, that we must turn to learn the true concept of love, God's view of love. The Apostle Paul was inspired to write the perfect treatise as found in his first epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. Here it says, and I'm reading from the King James Version, Charity suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Let's consider these verses and note a contrast in how God's love is different from what we see in our world today. First, one thing we might note is that God's love is more than emotion or touching. It's about living. It's about acting. It's not wrong to hold hands, and we're certainly not saying that. I know that it is not proof positive of this, but I love to hold the hands of my wife. I love touching her hand and feeling her hand in mine. And yes, I love kissing her, and I do it often. But again, I also realize that kissing someone is not necessarily proof of love, as some people in different parts of the world kiss others simply as a sign of greeting. And I also know that holding hands need not indicate love. If you've ever been involved with a bunch of school children and getting them to cross the street, holding hands together is simply a form of safety. When we look at love, or as the King James Version uses the word charity, what do we see? Love is willing to endure. That means that it does not need to have what it wants right now. It's hard for some to practice this type of love today because they are used to getting what they want when they want it. They make a fuss, and then to quiet them down, they are immediately given whatever it is that they have been complaining about. In our fast food lifestyle, it does not permit the idea of waiting. Many of us remember a time before fast food 
when getting something hot and tasty and right was more important than getting it in under five minutes. But sadly, some today still feel that they are being disrespected if they have to wait on anyone or anything. Love practices kindness, even if others don't. In this regard, love for others or to others does not depend upon how I've been treated. Ever dealt with someone who seems disgruntled or angry or out of sorts? And then after a while, they admit, well, they're just having a bad day because, you know, someone mistreated them, and now they're mistreating others. They have in their own minds a convenient excuse for their actions. But godly love does not treat others wrong simply because they treated us wrong. What did our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ teach in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12? Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. We refer to this often as the golden rule. It tells us that our standard is higher than the standard of the world. We treat people the way we want to be treated and not the way that they have treated us. Love does not envy others. Again, it's not difficult in considering our world today where it seems we can have what we want when we want it, that there certainly is a contest to see who can get what and impress others with it. In our TikTok nation, putting up a video where it's all about your latest fashion, cell phone, shoes, food, car, home, whatever, is not only expected but often done simply to impress other people with what you yourself have done. And then when the video is created and uploaded, a contest occurs to see if others can follow along. And when some can't, they get mad or angry. And now envy rules their life. They want what you've got and they can't get it. And so then, in, in an emotional way, they take it out on others through their action or sometimes their language. That is not an example of godly love. Love, as God refers to it here in 1 Corinthians 13, does not seek to elevate itself over others. It is not proud. Too many today are seeking to compare themselves against others and find ways to be better than they are, to get ahead of everyone else. But the child of God is not in a contest against others. Everyone who serves God faithfully will one day receive a crown of life. Our goal is not to be better than others. Our goal is to imitate the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There were those in the city of Corinth who didn't have a good opinion of Paul. He wasn't a good speaker, they said. He didn't really look good. There were others who actually wrote better letters than he did, they said. And so they had all these little things that they wanted to suggest in saying to Paul, you're not the best one. But here is what Paul said in his second epistle to them. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 10. And again, I'm reading from the King James Version. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. 
Let such a one think this, that such as we are in word by letters, when we are absent, such will we be also indeed when we are present. For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves, and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is, of other men's labors, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. But he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. What was Paul saying? He's saying, look, we have a job to do. Preach the gospel. Strengthen disciples. That's what our role is. We're not going to worry about what others do. We're not going to compare ourselves to others. We're not in a contest to see how many people we can convert or how grand our speech sounds or how handsome we are. He said, we've been sent to preach the gospel, and what we teach, we will live. And we hope that as you are taught, you will gain in strength and in ability to serve the Lord. There was no competition, only a desire for disciples to be faithful to the Lord. Love does not behave itself unseemly. That means shamefully. People today seem to lack the ability to be ashamed. They actually love doing outlandish things that are seen as immoral or ungodly. And this is not something new. Jeremiah said thousands of years ago that were many in his day that were just like that. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. We blush when we recognize we've done something to embarrass ourselves or others. Our conscience tells us we should feel bad about what we've done. But there are too many today whose consciences are damaged. They're seared, the scriptures say, so that when they do wrong, it not only doesn't bother them, they feel proud about it. Love is not selfish or self-seeking. Today's culture is all about self. It is about getting what you can get before others do. So we saw some evidence of this when the pandemic hit. People began to hoard things. When there were problems afterwards in transportation and manufacturing distribution, again, as items became available, people purchased far more than they needed. And some did this to make money, to purchase items needful to others and then turn around and charge a higher price knowing that these items were in desperate need all to make an extra buck. And yet many see this as normal, getting what you want, even at the expense of the needs of others, is part of the goal of worldly people. Get what you can get while the getting is good. Love is not easily provoked. It is not offended. 
Again, it seems that there are so many people today looking for a reason to be offended because they believe it then gives them the right to exercise righteous indignation at others. There are people who can't seem to go a day without ranting about this or that. Social media has become a war zone of one group or another seeking to find something offensive so that they can begin the combat of words to knock you down. But the child of God should only be striving against sin and only speaking against evil, and even in that regard, we can do so without losing control. The mature Christian knows how to exercise self-control in their being and in their language. Love does not think evil of others. Again, how sad our society is today and how divided it is because people are not simply thinking evil of others, but looking for reasons to mistreat them. Do you disagree with the government? Do you disagree with your boss? Maybe a family member? Well, the scriptures provide no comfort nor refuge for you in seeking to mistreat anyone. In fact, the scriptures clearly say we're to pray for everyone. Notice what Paul said in his writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. God says we need to pray for people. How can you teach the gospel to someone and seek to show them the love of Jesus Christ if you've misjudged them, mistreated them, or spoken evil about them? God wants you to pray for them. And that leads us to the next thing about love. It does not rejoice in iniquity. It doesn't rejoice in sin. Do you rejoice when your enemy is hurt? Do you take pleasure when someone is done wrong, is brutally punished, or even dies? Love does not. It does not seek to harm others, nor does it take pleasure in anything evil that happens to them. Do you hope that something bad happens to your enemy or someone who's mistreated you? Love does not. And again, Jesus said we should pray for our enemies, Matthew 5, verse 44. Love only rejoices in truth and victory. The only rejoicing we should do is one obeys God and is saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our Lord said, pray for those who abuse or mistreat us in the belief and the hope and the power of God that the gospel can change their hearts. Love is willing to bear injustice. This was the example of our Lord himself. He was mistreated. He was abused. He was not given the justice that his innocence demanded. And being God in the flesh, he had the power to change events, and yet he did not. And Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, he said, let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. If we suffer because of the injustice of the world, then we can take knowledge that we're following in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Finally, love believes. It believes what God teaches. God is not afraid of our examining his word. In fact, he gives us his word. He reveals us his word so that we can read and learn and understand. And then once we learn and understand, he expects in being convicted of the truth that we will believe and obey his word. Love lives in hope of God's promises. God has promised eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ, to all who will obey his word, to all who obey the gospel of Christ. Do you believe that? Are you willing to live a life that follows his word and honors him? That is what hope does. It directs us by his word to life's conclusion. The conclusion of a faithful life lived according to the gospel is eternal life. That's what Jesus Christ brought. Finally, love is willing to endure this life, willing to endure its hardships, knowing that God has a better place prepared. In short, everything we can say about love is represented in and is demonstrated by Jesus Christ. And if you're a Christian, and if you're following Jesus, then you will imitate the love that he also imitated. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. I hope you have a wonderful day.